Right, good evening. Welcome to this episode of Racket. This is Roadies and Crew keeping events topical. We have a, a sound engineer in the house tonight, and actually in the house. Good evening, Jim. Thank you for joining us. Good evening. It's a pleasure. It really is. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Actually, especially a pleasure to have someone here with us. So, um, yeah, uh, main question, obviously, to start off with is uh, sort of an idea of uh, what got you into the industry. How were you inspired to take on this crazy role? You know, you've got to be partially insane to even think about working in this job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, I started as a musician in bands and what have you. My dad was a musician, so he started me off on brass instruments and stuff. So then I got into the guitar and then I was doing grades and then punk rock happened and the punk rock wars, so that changed my idea of it. But he always encouraged me to play in bands and, and you know... You can always earn a living son playing in a club band. And I did that for a little while when I was 50 and I hated it and it was awful. And so I never swore never to do cover versions and all that shit again. Mm -hmm. So then you start playing in bands because you want to meet girls and stuff like that. That's what it's all about. You don't get into music for music reasons. It's just literally to pull crumpet. Absolutely. And when you're that age, yeah. (laughs) And when you're that age, it's a great excuse. And, 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 you know, it was reasonably successful. Um, (laughs) Um, so then I was obviously playing in bands and stuff and I always quite liked the idea I always liked listening to bands and hearing them and sometimes I think oh that doesn't sound very good or or how did they make that sound like that and how did certain bands sound great or different and why did they sound that good who would that have been who who would have been the first influence that got you into that well when I started really going to gigs it was people like The Clash and Susie and the Benches and sort of but then alternative you were a punk fan yeah yeah I sort of I'm just that little bit young for the punk thing so I had The Clash first album when I was at school and I really liked like that and then I when I started going out I was not really into the sort of straightforward sort of guitar thrash but I liked I liked the clash I liked what came after punk especially the post-punk stuff so that was more sort of where I started getting involved and and listening and then when New Order started I used to go and see them a lot because I had a friend who knew them blah 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 and um, so that was where I first started taking interest and, and actually going, oh, okay, this, this, why does this sometimes sound really good and why does this sometimes sound? Have you worked not out so why? <laughs> In your long well, career, you, you have you? Have you? Yeah, that's a that's an ongoing question. Someone said to me once, Chris Nagel said to me once, and um, he said, if you do it and and it's perfect, just give up. <laughs> because you've kind of Wise words, you've kind of done like it. Cobain, you mean? <laughs> yeah, you've you've kind of done it, and and you know that's that's it. You might as well give up because it's not going to get any better than that. So you might as well pack it in. I, your okay. sister was around with Kurt Cobain in Seattle, wasn't it? In the early my days. wife, your wife, yeah, my wife. Oh wow, yeah, she was she was friends with Kurt and um, and all that lot. Wow, she that's was, uh... yeah, she was from Seattle. I met her in Seattle, and so um, yeah, she was sort of punk rock chick and um, <laughs> yes so then then after sort of you know watching and, and sort of doing the odd bit here and there and sort of going oh I can do that I can do that I then moved to Manchester in um, 
sort of around 87, I went up to do a, a college course to get off the dole because they were hassling me. And, um, you know... And you were kind of a musician jobs. at this point. Yeah, yeah. I was sort of half, you know, sort of... At my mid-twenties, I decided that I was too old to be in a band, so I should really look for something else. Mm-hmm. And I know, I well, know. that's... That's so... It is ridiculous. <laughs> I was sort of like, 23, you can't be in a band anymore. You passed it. Yeah, you passed it. God, far too Yeah. So I went up there and, and I was doing a college course, but I moved into Hume just overlooking what was the factory of the PSV club there in the crescents there because they were squats and they were free. And um, I needed to... I got a grant as well for the college called Yay! And, um, but I needed some extra money. So we'd played a gig in Manchester at the boardwalk and so I went down there and sort of saw the engineer who'd, who'd worked for our band and I'd sort of spent a bit of time talking and I went, oh, I wouldn't mind doing a bit of that. And he went, brilliant, I need someone Saturday. It's Nothing th- like being thrown in the deep quid. end. And I went, oh, well, oh, really? And he just went, yeah, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Famous so last word. Yeah, yeah, of course it will. Do you want to just show me? So he showed me a few things and I did it and probably very badly. But um, but anyway, so then I started I started just doing that. And, um, and then because the boardwalk, loads of people rehearsed underneath it, so there's all... Manchester bands, a certain ratio, Happy Mondays, la la la. They all rehearsed there. So you kind of got a grounding and you got to meet loads of people. The thing about Manchester as opposed to London was it's it was a really small scene, a small city in comparison to London. So you actually got to meet loads of people. That club uh, featured in a Happy Mondays film, I can't remember. The Hacienda. Hacienda, yeah. yeah. You must have frequented that a lot. Yes, oh a my lot, God, because a we're just <laughs> over the road from, was it, from was, the Bauble. Was it depicted well in the movie? Yeah, I couldn't watch that movie to start with for a little while because I felt, oh, I can't watch that because I was there and, and I feel weird about it. But mm. then when I watched it, it just really made me smile. It, yeah. just, it just really made me smile. In fact, the first weekend I was in Manchester, we were up on the fifth floor, and this guy had a club studio he'd kangled two flats and they were built out of concrete and they're like three bedroom flats so they're pretty huge you get a squat for night it's great mm-hmm. so he kangled through but he had a studio in there that was called the kitchen and the first saturday i was there i, I went over because he had all night parties charged to get in that sort of thing you know and i went in there and um and i bought an e off Sean Ryder. <laughs> no way. And um, and the funny thing was that I sort of saw him sitting over there and I thought, fucking hell, that's Sean This was before the Happy Mondays got with, but I knew about them because of the first album. I really liked Squirrel and G-Man. I thought it was a great album. And so I sort of went over to him and said, oh, excuse me, are you, you know, and he went, yeah, fucking hell, yeah, John and, um And so that was my introduction. And so all around Hume, like a guy called Gerald lived downstairs, so all around with these people and you just got talking to them and it was very, very different from London and a very different scene because everybody was kind of there and just sort of it hanging about. It sounds so exciting. It, I mean, it, it must have been a great start to anybody, you know, anybody heard that music at that time. Yeah. It must have been incredible. Yeah, and, and, and all the girls that I knew, they all worked at the Hacienda and I worked at the Boardwalk so you could get in for nothing. So it was just a bit of a giggle. Yeah, the whole funny. thing was was really good fun it sort of for bands and stuff i've been to the hacienda for bands and it was awful for bands to be honest with you because it was it was a reflective horrible room and but when 
sort of house music kicked it, it didn't sound so bad. And of course, with extra curricula, it sounded great. But it didn't sound too bad with that sort of thing because right. of the dislocation. But for bands, it wasn't that great. But before then, before 87, it was pretty empty. You know, you'd go there and it was there were not many people there. So wow. it, it really took off in 88 and then the night started and then the things sort of started massive, happening. became massive, absolutely yeah. massive. Yeah. But, you know, I went to sort of quite a few sort of private parties and stuff and they were good because everybody was there. But, you know, yeah, and so you got to know people really quite quickly. Mm. And I thought, and that was great. That was great. If anything, I mean, it's a small industry. I mean, a big industry, but it's a small world industry. Everyone kind of knows everyone right across the country, really, I think, once you get deep enough into it. It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're right. And it just so happened that that, you know, was in- incredibly busy. So I started doing that. So that gave me a good grounding in, in, in where to start because you're mixing a lot of bands all the time and you're doing local band nights and stuff like that. So you get to know the equipment, you get to know the room and and then sort of pretty soon after that, you know, bands need an engineer to go and do some gigs somewhere else. And one of the first bands I worked with is a band called Dub Sex and Mark Hoyle is still a very good friend to this day. And, you know, he said, I'll oh, come and do it. And I said, well, I haven't been doing it very long. He said, I don't really care. <laughs> sort of just come along because it'll be a good laugh. And what I mean, desks were you using back in those days? What was the toy the, of the day? Soundcraft. All right. Early Soundcrafts. Um, SPX nineties. Um, drummers, drummer compressors and gates. SPX ninety. Little little sort of Roland DDLs. Very basic stuff, but crossovers. Hey kids, this is one for you. <laughs> you don't know about crossovers because they're all in there now. But yeah, you know, your different amps and then setting your crossover and then working your graphic into where you want it so the dips are the same as the crossover and learning that. And they're always great engineers from Liverpool. There was a company in Liverpool and they would come over and they were always good and you could always pick up something off them. People can either hear things or they can't. They can, if they can pick out a second guitar line, if they've played in a band, they'll have some idea about it. And I think that matters just as much. The great thing is with with it is that you, as you're learning, you sort of you do a little bit and you think, oh great, I know everything. It's great. Yeah, it sounds great. And then you hit a wall and then you go, I know nothing. And that's really good for you, but that's the best way to learn because you go, fuck, I don't know anything about that. I don't know why that amplifier fucking works and I don't know why that fucking happens all the time. And then you work it out. And and so the half that's physics and the half that's art, if you like, there's not many jobs that have that in them in so much that, there's the physics angle and, and there's the stuff you can go down and, and look at, in wh- which you can look at now. People didn't really use an oscilloscope back then, maybe in the studio, certain engineers would. But nobody, you know, there wasn't the software that there is now. There was no smart, there was no way of doing it. So you worked it out from your ear and from your microphone and and you learned how to how to balance a system using your ears and using mm. the vocal mic mm. and then work it out from there. Do you think now these new engineers, I mean, is everything kind of set up for them so they don't need to learn the craft so much? They've got all the toys and, th- you know? I, th- I think there's an argument that says it's coming to the point where pretty soon there will be presets for everything. I mean, 
once you get to a certain level, systems engineers now are great. You know, you get to a certain level and the systems engineers are terrific. So the sound engineer's job is is immensely easier. But you've still got to make the right decisions. The desks are incredible now. Yeah, I mean, you, you can know, make your dinner on it now. I yeah, mean, I mean, it is, it is ludicrous what you can do. But then again, I've seen young engineers spending more time trying to make their Waves plugins work than listening to what they do. Well, you've got sound systems that actually speak to you now. They yeah. tell you, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> they tell you, I'm not hitting this part of the room. Yeah. And they just, you know, sort themselves out. And yeah, it's, it's a completely different game. And, and, and when I first started, and I met Oz, Oz from Oz PA, who used to look after New Order and most of the Manchester bands, and they had loads of Martin gear, and it was, it was quite harsh, to be honest with you. I'm sure. I'm sure it sort of did my hair. But talking to him about a, a number of things, it was very, very interesting because, because there were all those things to take into account. You know, you did have to work out what amplifiers you were using for your bass, for your mid, for your treble, where the crossover points were, what you were doing. And it was all down to you, you know, and you could make it sound shit or you could make it sound... There was no one there, really. And how much were you earning a night? <laughs> <laughs> Go on, your first gig, your first paid gig. How much? Well, the ball was, I think it was 30 <laughs> quid. I think it was 30 quid a night. 30 quid. Wow. Which was actually all right. Actually, back in the 80s, that's that, got a lot of well, money. Yeah, it, it was probably, all right. But, I mean, that was half the reason I got into it was I needed another I needed another source of income. And 30 quid a night, actually, that's all right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, that's that's okay. And, you know. Absolutely. And, and the interesting thing is support bands were getting 50 quid a night and they're still getting 50 quid a night. <laughs> <laughs> or they're paying 50 yeah, quid that's as well. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh, that hasn't changed for, forever. So, so, yeah, I mean, you know, now it, it's, a, it's a completely different game, you know. It's... We were in Manchester, I think. Yeah, we, yeah, we yeah, we were in, yeah, we were in Manchester. So I was there for like five years mm-hmm. and... Um, and sort of saw that through, and what just sort of bands did you work with through that period? Oh, let's yeah, yeah, <laughs> a long time ago. That's I true. Yeah, that. well, um, Dubsex were the first band, but a lot of the local bands like uh, King of the Slums, the Railway Children, did the odd full gig because they would sort of pop up, and uh, mm-hmm. a new couple of people who were in the full, um, but they didn't really use sort of anyone regularly that was it uh then i worked with a band called cud um who were actually from leeds but their management was from manchester so that was the first time i sort of toured a lot but a a few bands just asked and a couple of bands in london the family cat sort of sort of that sort of low level yeah you know and and it was good fun to sort of sort of go around with them but the first time i got offered europe was um one of the local band, the Membranes, John Robb, who's a, a well-known journalist, mm-hmm. and he was running the Membranes, and they all sort of lived in Hume anyway, so he just sort of said, oh, do you want to come to Europe? Um, Sounds like it's quite easy to get a job there. Do you want to come to Europe now? Yeah, <laughs> now yeah. I think I think one of the things that I'll just say about the ball ball, which, which was great working there as well, but one of the real lessons I picked up was from a, an American band when the American sort of hardcore bands would come over and I didn't really know much about those bands but I had a couple of friends who were really into them and, and would put them on but Fugazi came and played and um, and the place was absolutely rammed and there used to be an RSJ above my head and it would drip 
water, sweat. sweat. <laughs> wow. So I basically done the sound check and I knew they were brilliant. So I had to put the desk cover on and, um, and they just mixed themselves because they were so dynamic, they were so good that once I'd sort of got a balance at the start, I'd put the cover on and I just thought, right, I'm not going to touch this. And it was brilliant. And in wow. fact, I saw a bit of it on... Someone filmed it from the back of the venue, so it was their microphone above their camera, and I saw it, and it sounded really quite good. I was, I was sort of like, oh, shit, it will sound... sound great. But I suddenly realised that actually it's not all down to you. Because when you get into it, <laughs> I think it, I think if the band are good, then normally kind of works. Itself you're there, out. yeah. You should just balance it up and just let the better the band, the easier run. to engineer. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Question, and yeah. sometimes you can get right up your ass thinking that you can sort of help something out, and you can't. Mm. You just can't do it. But that's a that's a valuable lesson to learn. I'm sure that, that mm. people have come across that. So I did a few tours before the wall came down, and the wall came down in '91. So tours sort of 89, 90, 91 as the wall came down and then sort of, you know, going in. So mm. there was East Germany. I think there was a trip into, I seem to remember Poland being awkward. Um, I don't think it's changed. It's uh, still as horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, our Polish friend. Um, and, um, yeah, that was, that was great and that was at the level of getting a van go and stay at people's squats and just do it and, you know, see what happens. And um, So were was... these organised tours or they, you, people just jumped in a van and said, so pretty, pretty let's much. go and play Europe? This, the internet was John's little black book right? and loads of maps. So <laughs> you'd have a map for every city. So if you'd been, you'd build up a collection of maps for every city we can go and, and, you get your, and you'd get your Europe atlas and he would know people and he would know the venues and know people to stay with. So it was very much sort of the, the very odd hotel, but mostly there used to be these German venues used to have places for you to sleep above and they'd feed you and sort of, you know, it was that sort of level. And then they'd fill the place in the evening and, um, and it was great. I was with the Ukrainians and um, I ended up on tour with them by accident. And, um, and... The accordion player was was really quite religious, and um, that, he he liked God and stuff. And um, we got to this venue, and um, I think it was it was either Hamburg or Bremen. I've, I've got a feeling it was Bremen. And um, as we went in, I I was a bit late out of the van, and whatever. And he went in, and there was an art exhibition in there. It was a bit of a you know it was down and dirty and and it was an upside down Jesus on a cross <laughs> and he just went fucking mental and just smashed it up just walked in and just took oh, it apart no. and I came in and he was just fucking the the, the 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 back door was open and he was throwing it out and just sort of smashed and I was and I, I, I was actually really offended and, and I sort of you know just went straight out I don't know what came over me I was just like what are you doing? You know, what do you think? You th this is art. You know, this is, it's not your, you know, it's not Jesus. It's, <laughs> it's art. interpretation. Yeah, you know, yeah. So where is it? So I was, I was quite willing to have a, a good discussion about this. But, but he, he was gone, man, you know. And that's not even, that's not even, you know, drug or drink inspired. That's just Jesus inspired. And then the artist came back and that was brilliant because I went over to talk to him. I was just like, oh, man. <laughs> uh, and, he's, and he was sort of very 
German and laconic about it. And he kind of went, uh, maybe it looks better. <laughs> <laughs> but I, di I didn't speak to him for like three days because I was so annoyed, you know, and sort of that sort of caustic van thing that, that Yeah, goes that can't on be fun when you're on tour, huh? Yeah, you have to be and quite careful. Van, you yeah, have to be wow. quite careful about that, and you and you get quite good at that. And, and you know, and you have to really make a decision on: do I want this to be, uh, you know, a really horrible journey, or do I want this to be, you know, all right? And most of the people that I've toured with have been all right. And and you know, have you got a, a favourite venue? I mean, it does, is that, or is it just a story from the venue, or oh. is there a, a venue close to your heart? Oh, oh, that's a good one. I like the dome now because I've I've made noise in there for sort of. <laughs> it's kind of your home, isn't it? Now I I kind of I I kind of like that because not bad for an old stadium. Yeah, it? it's a nice venue. There's no just in the dome, honestly. It does, yeah, it does what it says on the tin. It's, yeah, and it feels comfortable. It doesn't feel sweaty and dingy like a lot of venues probably. You know, it yeah. actually feels so you know like you're quite quite posh. And, yeah, and and, and, it, and it, I think it sounds all right as well. Um, but yes, I mean there's there's some lovely venues along the way, but. I can't. I can't think of any off the top of my head as a favourite. Well, you can come back to it later. Yeah, you can phone us in the middle of the night yeah. or something. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure one yeah, will we'll come get back. Get Tom out of bed and get the mic set up. Yeah, we'll yeah. give you his number before yeah. you go. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So we have been racket. It's been an absolute pleasure, Jim. Thank you so much for coming in and joining us. You're very welcome. Yeah, a joy, absolute joy. Thank ah. you very much indeed. Thank you. We've been racket, and we'll be back with the next episode soon. Thank you for joining us.